Okay, I think uh, we more or less have people in and can get ready to get started. So first of all, welcome. But I will just uh, <coughs> hand over the word uh, to uh, today's speakers. So uh, uh, we actually, just on a side note, we all placed uh, in our in our homes as is very, uh, I guess, fitting for for today's session. So I'm here, sitting here in Aarhus in Denmark, in Europe, and then we have uh, people around the, the Boston area uh, ready to uh, present uh, the content for you uh, today. And we are really looking forward for uh, some great uh, half an hour, 45 minutes together with you. But I'll just pass the word over to Boston. Please go ahead. Great. How's it going, everyone? Um, Caleb Kane. So what I want to talk about today is why we're having this webinar. Um, obviously, there are a lot of things that, that has transpired over the past uh, couple months or so. Um, and we're having a lot of conversations right now with, with firms that we work with around, number one, safety, um, but number two, returning to operational efficiency um, that was that was present by, prior to to this entire um, you know, COVID nineteen pandemic transpiring. Um, the reason we're having it this week, uh, Governor Baker here in Boston just released a four phased approach with certain requirements for for employees to return to the office. Number one, social distancing social distancing protocols for employees when they do get back to their workspaces. Um, there will be specific firm mandates uh, within the workspaces, PPE equipment, um, digital signage will be very present. Um, and then on the staffs and operations side, we're going to see um, a lot more regular sanitation, um, phased employees coming in, whether this is paused by, by floor level or team level. This, these are things that, that we've had conversations about. And then just... Um, different capacity standards and, and requirements when it comes to, to meeting and, and working in these workspaces. And then now. So Colleen, um, why don't you talk a little bit about Ask Cody and um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ask Cody is a meeting management software for the office. We specialize in more complex meetings that require features such as multiple locations, requesting services, or additional requirements. Uh, we take these complex meetings and make them easier to book. Uh, so we've been reviewed by Gartner. We have uh, many great reviews in G2 Crowd, and we are the only scheduling software that's been co-developed by Microsoft to run inside of Office 365 or Exchange. Uh, so let's introduce the team that's been, that's, that'll be presenting today. My name is Colleen Sickles. I work in customer success here at Ask Cody. Um, I work on implementing customers as well as making tweaks to their configuration to make sure that they're getting the best value that they can out of the software. Uh, Caleb, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Caleb Kane, I'm an account executive at Ask Cody, I'm responsible for, for the majority of, of new partnerships that we take on here. And, um, you know, having those conversations with folks, especially right now, uh, every day. 
Awesome. And my name is Will Diani, and it's good to be speaking with you all. I actually work uh, with Caleb and some of his teammates as a part of helping the team that's responsible for our new partnerships uh, within Ask Cody and looking forward to this uh, this webinar today. And Caleb, if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide. Awesome. Um, and there may be a couple of, of images here, Caleb, if you want to go ahead and click and get those um, yeah. on the screen for everybody. And the, the purpose here, I think, is just before we get into the 10 tips, um, you know, these are really, as Caleb mentioned early in the conversation here, you know, these these stem from, you know, conversations that we have every single day. And I, I want to add a little bit of context here to to sort of let you folks know where where some of these conversations are happening specifically with regards to you know companies or or businesses and firms that are client service uh, organizations and that's really by design in terms of our platform and who we serve so ask cody's built for you know more complex meetings and i think in a client service business when a one hour meeting involves several tasks and teams and internal workflows and processes you know, that's the complexity and the friction really that we're working with our customers on every single day. And so I think it's put us in a unique position to really help our customers as as the workplace is changing and as these workflows and processes are going to, you know, look different. And, and these are the types of things people are focusing on. And we're helping our customers to adapt and prepare for that. And I think that's really where you'll see that these tips have have come from and we think they'll be valuable to you. So with that, um, let's um, let's go to the next slide. Awesome. Um, and so why now? Uh, these are basically 10 tips that we've compiled um, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, as you'll see, it's around creating a safer work experience, uh, as well as, you know, obviously in being able to enforce that compliance. Uh, one of the CIOs that we spoke with recently used the example that you know, companies and, and firms are preparing right now, but at the end of the day, people are like uh, like water in that they're going to find the path of least resistance. And so being able to, I think, take some of these preparations that we're going to introduce you to and establish those in a way that you're actually going to find and, and uh, create and enforce compliance, I think you'll see that come through these these tips as well. Um, and of course, all being supported through through technology. So um, that's where these tips have, have come from. And with that, no further ado, let's, uh, Caleb, go into sort of the next slide, and then I'll pass things over to Colleen. But again, just to sort of add here some some context, you'll see that where we're looking at firms talking about, you know, short-term changes in terms of, you know, putting stickers on the floor to encourage social distancing and some other kind of, you know, manual digital signage, taping things up, arrows, you know, and those sorts of things, those are certainly meaningful short-term considerations, but I think our conversations are more uh, looking at, you know, what types of real solutions and technology are going to be required to, to, to manage things moving forward, maybe midterm or even more long-term. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to Colleen. Yeah, thanks. Um, so for as, I, and as far as visitor management is concerned, I've been hearing uh, two main things from my clients. One, that they want to reduce the amount of interaction that the receptionist is having with outside visitors. And the other is that they would like a way to have visitors come in without needing to touch a book to sign in. 
so to reduce the interact in, uh, interaction with receptionists, users have been setting up kiosks that enable visitors to check in uh, through a screen, and that can decrease the amount of visitors that a receptionist actually needs to come in contact with. Um, and visitors are also able to check in and check out through email or text message that's managed on their own device. Uh, so they actually don't need to touch anything if they're uncomfortable with doing so. Um, one of the things that my customers found useful is the ability to edit messages that are going out and out to guests as policies are changing. Uh, one of my customers was making changes to messaging every hour uh, before the stay-at-home orders were going into place as their upper management were coming out with new policies. Uh, so the other important thing that my customers have been discussing is contact tracing in visitor management. Uh, so it's important that customer or companies uh, are able to have a list of visitors that were in the building on a particular day. Uh, they also have their contact information so they can get in contact with any of the past visitors as needed. Hey, Colleen, quick question. Um, I guess, I guess as you're, you know, working with, with um, these folks right now, is there anything new that you've done um, with, with a current, a current partner with, with our visitor management system um, that maybe they hadn't, didn't know that they could do prior, prior to you speaking with them? Yeah, absolutely. I actually uh, was talking to somebody last week um, and we managed to get a survey uh, in the text message that is going out to their guests that are coming in that has all of the questions that they need to uh, be answered. Like, have they been traveling out of state or um, have they taken their temperature today? So they're able to compile a list of questions that are really important to them. And they're actually able to put that in a text message that's going out to all of these guests that are coming in before they even come in. And then they have a list of all of the, the answers to all of those messages uh, for every one of their guests. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, but Caleb, you travel a lot. Uh, have you ever run into these self-serve, these like service check-in kiosks? Um, how easy did you find them to use? Um, pretty easy, honestly. I was surprised, and and you know, it's something in our conversations. I think we're going to see more of them. But um, you know, previously we're we're used to walking in and having that white glove experience. But based on the conversations that we've had, it looks like we will be seeing a shift towards more of this um, this self self-service kiosk model. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think just to be able to uh, distance their receptionists away from, yeah. um, uh, you know, interacting with people, I think it's re it's been really important. Absolutely. Um, we can move on to the the next slide here, um, which is sanitation. Um, so I've been working with a lot of our companies uh, that want to put an option for extra sanitation. Um, so scheduling extra sanitation allows those crews in charge of cleaning the room to see a list of rooms that need to be cleaned that day and then make their plans to allocate the appropriate resources so that they're able to management, manage it. Um, companies are leaning a lot heavier on these cleaning crews and, than they have in the past, um, and they're looking at ways to make their jobs easier and to help them make a plan for the day and have them allocate their resources a lot more easily. Um, so users have been looking at different ways that they can configure their rooms to respect social distancing uh, while they're taking away the ability to add extra chairs. They're also adding the ability to have different room configurations that still maintain uh, social distancing and, and maintain space between the different participants. 
Um, so we can move on to the, the next slide, which I think goes is, goes really easily into this, which is um, adding buffer time around your meeting. Um, companies are putting policies in place that all meetings have to have a sanitation crew after each meeting. And with meetings getting scheduled back to back, this can cause a delay in a meeting and cause buildup of people in the hallways that are waiting to go into their next meeting. Uh, so with buffer time, that time is scheduled for the sanitation crew so that the cleaning will not interact or, or overlap uh, with a meeting that's already been scheduled. Um, and this buffer time can be increased so the crews can have enough time to properly sanitize their rooms without rushing through it. Uh, and that allows the crews to be able to get through their increased checklist of things that they have to clean. Uh, since there's no overlap for a meeting, they don't have people outside of their rooms waiting. Um, and then it's important, uh, we, have a, we have a portal for service teams so they can see the when, the where, and the what. Um, and it's been really important for these service teams that are able to look through their current workloads um, and plan their days with everything that's changing so quickly, these these crews can see their workloads really drastically increase. Um, and with the portal for these teams, they're able to get a list of work that they need to do throughout the day and then plan their days accordingly. Uh, so as they check throughout the day, the portal stays up to date with the latest meeting information. And if a meeting that they need to deliver to or that they need to go in and sanitize if that moves to another time or another day, they're going to receive a notification and see those changes updated in the portal. That's going to cut down on the lost time of crews sanitizing rooms that didn't even have a meeting take place in them or delivering to a meeting that has changed times or has been canceled. Um, and there's also a portal for receptionists. So they're able to see visitors that are checked in, um, a list of all of the visitors that are checked in in the building at a given time. Um, and that can help them maintain those proper capacities um, in those buildings. Um, so I did want... Yeah. Colleen, i sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah. I do have a question on some of this because I think one thing that I'm already starting to hear from, from folks is in my conversations is around, you know, governors are updating policies and, and some of the, um, you know, mandates are, are being updated on a, a very regular basis. And of course, that's going to continue for um, some time, um, even as folks do start phasing back into the office. I think a lot of the uh, preparations that companies and firms are making now are going to evolve. And so my curiosity would be, you know, can you speak to just the ability to, I guess, modify and make changes to some of these types of configurations? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really easy. So it's, since it's, it's so customizable, it's really easy to, to turn on and off some of these things. So I, I say, I see people going in and, uh, taking away the ability to add chairs, and that is a simple click of a button, or adding new configurations, and that's just a, a really just a couple of clicks. So it, it really is easy to stay up to date with all of these changes um, and change as, as these things are, are so fluid, be able to change with them. Yeah, I mean, I was even thinking with the buffer time specifically, you know, how, you know, maybe there's, uh, you know, requirements that initially around the process it's going to take to clean and sanitize between meetings. But, you know, maybe that tapers down gradually uh, over the next, you know, six to 12 months. And for companies to be able to make those updates uh, to that policy very easily is um, I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Um, but I think I took, Caleb, I think I took all of the, the fun slides here, but what else have you been hearing? Yeah, yeah, hand the, <laughs> hand the reins over. Yeah, go take it. <laughs> um, so, so another thing that we're running into um, and, and working with folks with is just um, enforcing room compliance. And what that means is, is trying to take away the um, just ad hoc booking component of, of workspaces now. That's something that, that isn't necessarily practical anymore. Um, so, so some ways that we're doing that um, is is whether whether having having office spaces enforce the 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 workspace booking through through the Outlook or through a mobile phone and really preventing folks from from doing that uh, by just walking up and walking around. So, um, enforcing technology to to do something like this is, is something that a lot of our partners are doing right now. And so with something like this, um, you know, folks are using Ask Cody to create just um, different customizable and configurable searches so uh, we can make that happen, whether whether that is is a, a room arrangement in, in a workspace or, or like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, using the Ask Cody tool and, and the tags available to um, find a space by pod, by team, by floor. Um, and so, so these are some things that are being done and, and, um, you know, they, they're doing it either from their phone if they are in, in their office or, um, you know, directly from their Outlook calendar. Caleb, quick question for you. Um, what is the, I guess, biggest changes that, uh, customers need to get used to when deploying something like this? So I think getting, get the biggest change that they need to get used to is just the fact that, um, you know, what their, their normal day to day, uh, activity is changing and just getting used to, to the new mandates and, and rules in place. But with something as easy and, and customizable as like this for, um, end users, it's something that we found they've, they've been, um, very receptive to. Nice. So informational displays. Um, so what what we have here is is, and folks are really using our informational displays to to really have an overview of what's going on in the office and really to prevent a lot of foot traffic to to going around to whether that's seeing if a team member or a room is available. So these aren't just. Um, you know, just, just four rooms as well. There are some folks that, that may be coming in, maybe working from home and they want to see who's coming into the office that day. And it might make more sense for, for them to stay home if, uh, if a workspace that they traditionally work on is, um, is rather full. And also it just helps for employees working from home to, to stay connected with, with their, their team members, um, and, and to see what they're working on and what they have going on there. So I know um, in our office back back in in Boston when when we were in, um, you know, we had this up so that we could see, you know, what what the what the schedule and display was uh, of all of our teammates when when we were working, knowing what calls and and um, and different projects we were working on. Actually, I have a question. I think I'll I'll drop into already now. 
regarding uh, the self-check-in kiosks. And the question is that uh, how will the self-check-in kiosk installed for visitor management uh, be managed? As these kiosks uh, would be in constant use by multiple visitors. So how, how are we actually managing those? Colleen, maybe that's uh, one for you. Yeah, I've seen that on, so for the, the kiosks, uh, as people are checking in, they've also had increased cleaning around the kiosks. Um, so knowing that the kiosk is in use and that people are constantly going to touch it, um, letting your facilities team know and add that to the rounds of uh, um, different things that they'll have to be cleaning. Thank you. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> Um, so I mentioned this a little bit earlier, just the removal of ad hoc bookings and, and signage to show what's available. Um, and also we're having conversations. I spoke with a, um, a, a colleague in, in facilities the other day, and he mentioned that they're using arrows and X's to mark who can sit where um, and, you know, how to get around um, in, in the office. I even noticed that yesterday I was grocery shopping and, I was following arrows around the uh, the store to figure out where I could go, when I could be there. So um, this is an adjustment, but um, something that that we found to to really mediate this and make it easier is is the booking from from Ask Cody and the mobile app. So you know, rather than than an employee walking around and um, finding finding and doing doing an ad hoc booking from from just by looking around looking for a workspace, um, folks are doing it from their phone. And and that's been easier for them, and and, and um, has really been accommodating to new mandates when it comes to 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 preventing those ad hoc walk up bookings. Um, I know we mentioned earlier um, how how we were speaking with the CEO, a CIO, and what he discussed a lot was that you know his employees they're going to want to do what's easiest um, for them to to you know m- make whatever whatever they're trying to do happen. And in this case, if it was reserving a room, a space or, or a conference room, um, walking up and doing it might be the easiest way. But if we enable them with, with technology and with, um, you know, the ability to do something like this from their mobile home, create a mobile phone, uh, creating the new norm, um, you know, isn't too bad. Yeah. Uh, Caleb. So I think what we were talking yesterday, I just want to come in here with a question. Um, we were, talking yesterday about how going up with to uh, a display and doing ad hoc booking that way, it doesn't really allow for contact tracing, uh, but something using it from a mobile app, you actually could. Do you want to explain that a little bit? Um, yeah, sure. So, so with that, with using a mobile phone is you're just, you know, you're booking it through your phone. You have an idea of, when when a, a room was reserved and it's tied to the individual that did book the room. So by doing that, you have visibility of who reserved the room and when. And um, you know we're we're having conversations where if somebody was sick or, or they were in contact um, with someone, this really enables the um, you know the folks that are overseeing the the building to to understand who was where the where and at what time so they can notify the right people to make sure that, um, you know, they're, they're either getting, you know, checked out or, or um, just, just aware that they may have been in contact with somebody that that's been sick. Yeah. Colleen, I also had a, a conversation with someone the other day that was talking about this. And one of the things that they mentioned was with an ad hoc meeting, walk up, 
click on a panel, bring people in a room and talk to them, you, it's anonymous. You don't know who that person was and you don't know who they met with by enabling or by removing the, the ability to book the ad hoc meeting and then enable them to book it through the mobile device. At least you know who the person was that booked the meeting. Uh, and if you make it as simple as possible, you can have them add their uh, attendees as well. Uh, so you can take these ad hoc meetings that are completely anonymous and move them to the next level, which is a, a meeting with attendees that was booked on the fly uh, in a room that they quickly saw available. So that was a good example that that person gave me. And uh, I thought it really, uh, really answers this question. So another thing we're, we're running into is just the you know, accessibility of Meeting Plus to be able to accommodate to the, the new office. Um, you know, when, when we're speaking with teams right now, um, a, a lot of, of service orderings with, with facilities teams and whatnot has been to, you know, adjust chair alignments or maybe a, a sanitation after a meeting and, and using the buffer time for that, but making sure the facilities is notified to come in after a meeting and sanitize everything. Um, another thing has been just um, like catering. Catering, I know this is something that we may see see very little of moving forward, but just the changes to having something like this accommodated to to a desk or or an isolated workspace rather rather than a, a meeting is something that that folks have been configuring and and, and using within the meeting plus add-in. Awesome. So jumping in to talk about uh, insights and analytics, and I think really this is around um, understanding space utilization. And so particularly as companies are preparing for, you know, their post-COVID environment, I think there's a mixture of, like I said, kind of short-term considerations as well as long, much long-term, much long-term uh, considerations around, uh, you know, potentially significant changes. Uh, I was speaking with um a law firm that's based in Michigan, and I know this is maybe less common, but it's something that they're definitely considering, which is changing um, from having as many folks have, having a permanent office per se to where they do have an, an office or a desk that's that's there, um, you know, but it is going to be something that's more of a workstation that they book, um, you know, when they're coming in. And so I think having the insights and analytics as uh, your workspace changes, you know, that's something that's going to be definitely important to consider. So having a full operational overview that allows you to then basically, as you're introducing new types of spaces or potentially even, you know, new ways that employees are using those spaces in terms of shifts, thinking about folks coming in maybe Wednesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday versus Tuesday, Thursday. So I just think understanding, you know, what companies have always sought to understand, which is, you know, how much space do we have and, you know, what are we using? Uh, and so I think the insight and analytics piece is definitely something that's that's going to be critical as all of these changes start to uh, make an impact to, to that. Hey, Will, quick question. Yep. Um, I guess right now um, with the current situation and, and as you meet with folks, what do you think, what report has been most important and most helpful for them as they um, look to optimize their, their real estate as they head back into the office? Yeah, it's it's a good question. And I think that it's definitely around the idea of there, there's different types of spaces that are being introduced and the purposes of spaces are changing. And so I think the ability 
to basically see a report on utilization based on room type or based on space type is probably a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, as there are so many changes to, you know, different types of spaces or workstations or, you know, uh, the, just what folks are, are booking. Um, and I think as that changes, you know, companies want sort of a real time, uh, you know, they want their, their finger on the pulse of, of what the utilization looks like across those different types of spaces that they're introducing. Absolutely. So wrapping up, uh, you know, I think that I hope these tips have, have been helpful. I think that these use cases are definitely something that um, would at the very least be, be thought provoking as companies are considering these things. Um, I think the general um, response that we've seen from, from our customers is, you know, the, the appreciation and understanding of how important it is to use technology to support uh, the, uh, the, the overall goal, which is around, you know, when you think about your, your real estate and your space, it's always been, you know, how do we find this sort of perfect triad state between, you know, cost considerations, productivity considerations, and as well now more than ever compliance. So I think when it comes to to considering, you know, the cost, the compliance and the productivity output of what your space is able to 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 produce, um, you know, using technology to help find that perfect state is definitely something that, you know, our customers have been actively trying to solve, um, you know, as we go through this process together. So with that, we may be turning it over to um, uh, Q&A. Yes, uh, thank you, Will. Um, on the right side of your screen of this window, you should have a question panel on the top. So feel free to come with your thoughts, your comments, uh, your questions, uh, and uh, we'll do our best <laughs> together to uh, uh, to answer them. Uh, m- maybe, Jamie, you have uh, one of the first ones in uh, in the line. I do. There's a, there's a lot of them. We'll try to get through as many as we can. And they're still coming in. Um, Colleen, I think this one's good for you. Rita in Boston asked, what are some of the biggest roadblocks people hit when deploying something like this? Yeah, I think the, the biggest roadblocks is just getting the correct people on the line. Um, as long as you can get all of the correct people on the line and have them ready to go, ready to work, it's pretty easy to get set up and get started. Okay, thanks, Colleen. I have one here from Europe. Uh, it's Eric in London uh, asking, uh, what can the information displays run on? Could I run it on a second monitor? Uh, maybe one for you, Colleen, as well? Yeah, um, they can run on any device that can run a URL. So absolutely, you can run it on your second monitor. Um, I think that people actually do that quite a lot. Makes sense. Hey. Hey, Will, I got one for you. Mark in Boston wants to know how we compare to office space. Uh, I think he's talking about the software, not the movie, although that is a great movie if no one's ever seen it. Uh, but let's just uh, focus on the uh, on the software. Uh, how we compare to office space. I think that in, in general, I mean, office space is something that is really, I think, a little bit more of an IWMS uh, type of a system. Uh, so you're thinking about, you know, HVAC, you're thinking about uh, your, your, you know, 
cooling and other systems within the building. Uh, it's really around managing 100% of your, your, your square footage, being able to tie in with access management. So I think there's just a lot that really goes way beyond the scope of where we're very much focused on you know, your user experience as it relates to meetings and, and complex meetings specifically, right? So the services and the, you know, visitors and some of the th- topics that we've touched on here where things are going to be changing um, and you need, you know, basically, um, you know, you need to keep your hands on the wheel for uh, for more focused on, on those meetings. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Uh, I have one more here in line. I'm looking at the other screen. That's why I'm looking at it this way. And the next question is, do you connect to Zoom? Uh, we currently use GoToMeeting and might be switching. So would you connect with that as well? I'm happy to take that one um, because I, I get excited on, on these types of questions just because I think video conferencing is something that um, is is more important now than ever um, as we're here on this webinar all remotely. Um, so with Zoom specifically and with actually, you said, Lars, remind me, sorry, what are they using currently, you said? Uh, they're using GoToMeeting at the moment. Yeah, perfect. So our platform, uh, just, you know, more broadly, it's it's a lightweight intelligence layer for Outlook and Exchange. And so what I mean by that is Exchange and Active Directory is the data layer for Ask Cody. We're not a separate reservation system. We're giving you as an organization and a company, you know, enhanced functionality is specifically related to these complex meetings around compo- uh, compliance and, and policies and et cetera. But Exchange and, and Active Directory are our data layer. So when you think about your, you know, GoToMeeting or Zoom or these other collaborative tools, so long as those tools tie in with your existing Exchange infrastructure, it's going to be seamless out of the box support for what your end user would be doing with Ask Cody because all that they're doing with Ask Cody are, you know, enhanced feature and functionality within Outlook. But ultimately, they're creating an Outlook meeting reservation exactly the same as they are today. So apologies if that was a long winded answer, Lars, but I think it's important because it's what's most important to our customers is that it's future proof. There will be something after Zoom. And, and so it's really about establishing exchange as the productivity backbone for, for your organization and for your meeting. Thanks. Well, somebody else asked, I'm glad you gave that answer because someone else asked there, they said they're a heavy Microsoft shop and they wanted to talk more about the exchange uh, integration. Uh, they also wanted to know about the Outlook plugin. Uh, their comment was they tried another vendor who said they could, uh, they could work with Microsoft, but actually never stand it up. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit maybe about our Outlook plugin or add-in uh, or modern add-in as we call it, because that's really what it is. Uh, and maybe dive into a little bit more as to, you know, why we work with Exchange and other companies say they can work with Exchange, but they have trouble getting it up and running. Sure. It, it's a really good question. And I think it gets into, again, sort of that fundamental architecture of what makes Ask Cody different is that we are not an entirely separate reservation system that offers an Outlook centric experience. What I mean is an Outlook plugin, right? This is more than just we meet the end user where they already are. There's actually a fundamental architectural difference that really is what provides continuity to, to our customers. And that is that again, your, your, your room calendars and with what folks are actually scheduling in terms of the reservation and that data point that gets created. It, it's that data point that gets created in exchange. And so for us, you know, it's a lot more than just, Oh, ask Cody provides an outlook centric experience. That's a big part of it. But I think one of the challenges that we've seen from legacy solutions in this space is that they've taken sort of their traditional, 
you know, a SQL-based system that's really an entirely separate meeting reservation system and then tried to introduce an Outlook plugin to make it more of an Outlook-centric experience. But you really haven't established Exchange as that single single backbone for where that reservation will live. You've just given the end user a more convenient way to access that separate system. But really still, you as an organization are relying on sort of two separate sources of truth where your people's calendars are in exchange, but you still have all of your room calendars and the services and policies and configurations that are sort of in this separate system. And so that creates challenges, I think, around, you know, getting that Outlook plugin to work properly. It's a matter of, you know, those synchronizations and that integration and being able to make sure that, you know, you're, you've got basically those two system of records that completely align uh, that that's become a real challenge. And so I think this goes a lot further beyond just the end user experience piece being sort of an Outlook centric component and, and companies and customers don't fully realize that initially because when you, you know, just, you know, take your first look, it's, um, it is a positive that, that you would be able to access the system through Outlook, but usually the challenges or the real complexities or, or, or um, the, the, the burden doesn't show up in, until later when you actually try to go stand up. It's a good answer. Uh, we should have answered this one actually earlier on. Um, several people have asked, and another one just came in now. Uh, we will share this webinar after with all the attendees. We will email that out. Uh, you can also reach out to us directly if you want to, if you want to receive this. So, uh, so that one's going. Um, and I think I know who asked this one. It's kind of a funny one. Uh, but Mick in Boston wants to know if we are ISO or SOC compliant. Uh, anybody want to take that one? I don't want to do all the talking about this one's easy. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll message Mick. I think I know who that is. I'll just send him an email directly myself. Uh, Benny in Hartford. Uh, actually, this is a good one because it actually answers something we talked about earlier, and it gives us an opportunity to take uh, uh, something that Michael recommended. Uh, wants to know what we recommend for a visitor management tablet. And I don't know if you guys saw her in the chat. Um, uh, Michael also suggested uh, the use of a stylist at the kiosk. Uh, stylists are, you can actually buy them relatively inexpensively right now. They can be used and thrown away. Uh, and we've actually, that's a great suggestion. We've actually heard that from um, a law firm down in Hartford that they were going to be moving over to something like this as well. Uh, but anybody, maybe Caleb, why don't you take this one? You know, what do we recommend for a visitor management tablet? Um, so we're hardware agnostic. If, um, you know, basically, it's kind of similar to what Colleen said. If the the URL will will display on the um, on the tablet, then then it works with S Cody. I like it a lot. Uh, Chris asked, uh, "Can our software be used to book a desk?" Anybody want to take that one? Yeah, I think it's another easy answer here. Uh, yes, it can be. It can be used to book a desk. Yes, we we do offer hot desking. Great. Okay, I can uh, check the next one uh, here in the line. Uh, I want one from uh, Dallas, uh, and the question is, will the extra time around the meeting, uh, you know, the buffer times we, we talked about earlier, will the, will the extra time around the meeting move if the meeting is moved, and uh, will the services uh, uh, move with it? Anyone? Yes, yes. hi. Uh, 
Yes, it's, it's actually a really important part of our software. As your meeting moves, if the time moves, if the day moves, if the meeting's canceled, everything that you've done in Ask Cody follows that meeting. So the buffer time that was added moves with your meeting. The services that were added move with that meeting. Um, and as for the uh, as all as far as services are concerned, as the the meeting is updated, uh, those teams are getting notifications, and their portal is being updated in the back end that shows uh, that meeting. What, what it's changed to, anything that's been updated. So yes, as, as the meeting moves, so does, the, so does the buffer time, so do the services. Thanks a lot. And can I, just, can I just add in, I'm sorry, because I'm so passionate about this point specifically, because it's these types of complexities, large, it's, Lars, it's not that, you know, as Cody's so special per se, it's just that it's built differently. And so when you start to introduce these types of, you know, complexities into the, into the, um, the, the, the equation, it, it, this is where our, you know, maybe more legacy solutions in this space that are in an entirely separate reservation system, like what we were talking about earlier, this is where they really struggle. And I think this is where customers are saying, you know, for us having that data integrity, having that, you know, single source of truth is, is so, so important because things are changing and, and the situation's only getting more complex for them. I think this is a good follow-up question to the one that somebody asked earlier about, uh, can we use this to book a desk? Um, this is a more specific question. Can we use this to order cleaning at your desk? Uh, so, uh, Colleen, I think it's a good question for you. How, you know, could we, could you, this be used to, to order cleaning to the desk, uh, as part of our, I guess, facilities or, or ordering solution? Yeah, absolutely. It can be, it can be used to order cleaning to the desk. It can also be used. I've, I've heard, uh, law firms that still want that light white glove service and they're, they're ordering catering to their desks. Um, so yeah, you can still order services to the hot desks. Yes. Yeah. The box lunch example from yesterday's conversation. <laughs> uh, you know, it's weird. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of our companies uh, that use us have cafeterias and uh, those cafeterias are going to be closed. Uh, they're, they're, they're points, but they still want to offer uh, the employees lunches. So they're basically trying to find a way for them to not only, uh, you know, book their desk, you know, they're, they're, they're not even close to thinking about moving to hot desking based on the complexity around that right now. But they are thinking about how they can book, you know, or, or, or reserve the, the employee's desk for the day and then order the catering and then order the, the food services there. So I thought that was a good example yesterday of that box lunch, um, you know, that we had from the. Okay. Thanks. Uh, I have one more and now I'm going to challenge you for sure. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's from Jessica. And Jessica, the question is, how long does it take to implement a solution like Ascody? I'll take this one. Um, I'm sure Colleen can can piggyback on it as well. <laughs> um, but so with some of the folks that we've worked with, we've had, had a turnaround time of around um, two weeks or so. Um, it's really been a, a pretty easy and seamless out-of-the-box experience with, with the folks that we've partnered with. It really... More than anything, just depends, um, you know, on on how fast that you are looking to to get this thing up and running, and um, you know how much time you're able to, to set aside to to get moving. Um, Colin, you want to add on that? Yeah, I think you said it. I think you said it really well. Um, I think one of the questions before was what was the hardest part about um, setting up the software, and it's the getting the resources in line. So as long as those resources are in line, um, yeah, I've gotten we've gotten clients uh, stood up in two weeks, easy. 
great being conscious of time. Why don't we just end it with a real easy question? Uh, Cheryl in New York asked, uh, well, we know the answer to this one. Do you have any customers on the MLOF 50? We do. Yep. Perfect. So why don't we reach out to them directly with that answer? Uh, there, a lot of our customers are, they're obviously privacy is important to them. Um, okay. Great. I think uh, there's still some questions in here, but luckily we have everyone's names, email addresses, so we can follow up with you guys directly uh, after this. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you for the speakers. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.